0: Derek Falvey, Twins president of baseball operations, kind enough to uh, take some time here. Let me ask you this: when you went, uh, when you were a little little guy, and you were dreaming about, I don't know, being in baseball somehow, probably first as a player, uh, no question. But then you, but then you transitioned to executive and thought, I want to be a baseball I- executive. And you went to school, and I'm sure you took a bunch of classes aimed at, you know, getting you up to speed. Did you ever take the class on what happens when a potential pandemic hits your sport?
1: Unfortunately, I don't have that uh, that training in my repertoire. I need to lean on some other people for guidance in that space. That's for sure.
0: What is so? So we saw the the ruling passed. I think it was throughout the state of Washington now, but certainly in Seattle, no more than 250 people in one place at one time. Your second series against the M's, as of right now, and and as I said at the top of the broadcast, this is fluid, so yeah, it no could question. change. Uh, While well, we're talking about this, but what is the situation now for that series as far as alternatives?
1: Yeah, so we've we've spoken with Major League Baseball and uh, and and they've been great about keeping us um, informed as as everyone's informed as the as you said, fluid situation changes. Major League Baseball is certainly working on potential plans for all teams, not just ours, certainly, uh, in in all states where things could change in terms of game venues or otherwise. Obviously, that ruling just happened. I would anticipate we'll have a a much better sense of the alternatives as the day goes on. But Mm -hmm. right now, Dave St. Peter, me, uh, and a few others are in contact with Major League Baseball, and they'll give us some guidance here in the short term.
0: I guess the one question that Twins fans would probably have is, is there, is there a part of the plan or the potential plan that could move this series if the weather cooperates? And sure. That's a big if. Uh, that could move the series to target field?
1: I, I think any uh, potential option is on the table right now, as I understand it. They just don't want to rule anything out before ruling anything in. Uh, so I would say that's, that's all being discussed at this point, but I, it would be um, it would probably be inappropriate for me at this point, without knowing any real specifics, uh, what they're thinking about. I'm sure there's some alternate venues that are also being explored in the event games would
0: need to be moved. What is this like? to because th- this one's weird certainly things happen in sports that are off schedule right yeah, and yeah. you guys have to adjust constantly but ordinarily the league or the team in this case the twins sort of are in control so you might adjust but it's your adjustment what's this like to for lack of a better term sort of lose control because you don't you can't tell the cdc ah come on yeah. what what's it like to I don't know if feel helpless is the right word, but it certainly feels like we all feel helpless right now.
1: Yeah, I would say that, you know, from where I sit, and it's, there's kind of a personal and professional interaction there, right? The, on the personal side, uh, you know, you're focused on how do you make sure you keep as many people um, healthy as possible. There's a lot of good recommendations around the best way to just limit the transfer of virus that I think we're all trying to make sure we take uh, take care of. But to your point about the uh, helplessness part is there are a lot of unknowns. I think we wake up every morning and flip on our favorite news website or otherwise to try and learn a little bit more about what's going on. And there is new information every day. I think based on where I sit, Uh, We just need to take the guidance of the professionals and and try and engage in as many as possible. Try and drown out some of the noise because there's a lot of noise out there about this.
0: But (laughs) you think in the day, the day and age of cable television and (laughs) and Twitter and everything else, there's a lot of
1: noise. (laughs) There's a little bit of noise. So uh, what I try to do is uh, separate fact from fiction as best we can, and then adjust.
0: How much do you try to prepare too? Because sports uh, executives and players and teams always talk about trying to stay in, in the now and not get ahead of themselves but i mean do you in some conference or talk about what if we can't play 162 i mean does that uh, for for the job that you have yeah does that occur to you do you think about that or does that go beyond your? yeah definitely
1: I I would say that uh, when I look at our team I want Josh Donaldson and Jose Barrios and those guys to focus on the now my job is to keep an eye on the now for sure but also think a few steps ahead and and uh, we we are always thinking about what could change I mean even to the point of as you mentioned we're opening our series on the west coast and and a couple markets that have been uh, certainly impacted uh, more recently and so even just thinking about if we were playing those games somewhere else, how would we travel there? What would that look like? When would we leave? You know, If there's an adjustment to those schedules and it's, uh, and it's back in Minnesota, how, how does that change our last week of camp? Things like that. So it, to the best of our abilities, we try and prepare for it and then, and then adjust as we get to learn more actual, real information.
0: Is your sense that players are concerned or, or are, are they so hyper-focused on what they do that you guys sort of take care of the concern and they just go about their business?
1: I think it's that. I think it's the, the, the latter there, that we make sure that uh, the players can focus on baseball. I think every day they're coming in, they're doing their work. Uh, they're certainly attentive to the news, and we're keeping them engaged. Taylor Rogers is our uh, our representative on our club uh, from the for the Players Association. So from a union standpoint with Major League Baseball, everything's coordinated right now. I think the focus has just been on, hey, let's limit transfer of any type of – hand to hand contact or otherwise that that does increase the likelihood Which of Which in sports
0: by the way not easy <laughs> not easy not easy at
1: These all These guys
0: are constantly high fiving and doing things that probably are are germaphobes worst nightmare
1: exactly right i would say when you're around a clubhouse and around a team a lot you do see a lot of that so to the extent we just remind guys to do more you know puts hand sanitizers more accessible everywhere making sure guys are washing their hands things like that we're doing what the general public's doing too that's the best of our abilities
0: on to baseball stuff spring training has gone blank so far
1: Oh, I, I think it's gone. Uh, outside of what we just talked about, I think it's gone. I think it's gone From well. From what you can control, yes, spring right. training
0: has gone. I think
1: it's gone well. I think it's gone really well. We, we, everything has been your focus. I know people talk about this, and again, not to make light of the previous situation. We talk about health uh, and more player health in terms yeah. of muscles and 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 you know and ligaments and things like that. All in all, I think we've gone mostly according to plan here. You know, here uh, dings and dents here and there, but most guys are progressing as expected. So that's our focus while we're. Here. Get guys ready for the season, keep them as healthy as possible.
0: Uh, Byron Buxton, Derek, has done. It because here's the thing that I can't figure out sometimes about y- you guys. My reporter senses used to say, if a player's not playing yet or not on schedule, there was usually a setback that the team didn't want to talk about. Yeah. But you guys and I think this is not just the Twins now, I think this is where sports is going, are so big into rest and recovery and being careful. And my sense with Byron is once you get him out there, you don't want to have to take him off the field again. So where is he at in the recovery process? And is March 26th in Oakland a possibility for him to at least be on the 26th, man?
1: Yeah, so I would say a couple of things on that. He we progressed him with the idea that he would be playing in games sometime in early March. That was our target date uh, when we when we had the sur- when the surgery was done really, and even when we got to the late portion of October and set set the course on an off season plan. So that that nothing has changed in that light. He had a live BP session yesterday. Looked great. Came out of it feeling great. The key sometimes isn't what happens then. How do you feel the next day? Sure. And so he came in in a good spot. Feels good. Progressing well. So I would say we're probably a little on the conservative end. Relative to maybe what that timeline was for beginning of March games. But he's, he's pretty close to that now. Now with respect to the 26th, our view of it is, let's see how the next 6-7 to seven days go. Then we'll see how the next 6-7. to seven, Fortunately, we don't have to make that call until the 26th. If he's a few days behind, we'll know that. But mm-hmm. I, I feel he's tracking pretty close to the 26th, if not maybe just behind it.
0: Ideal amount of at-bats here for him to play at the start of the regular season?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, ideal, most people would say something around or north of, say, 20, at, you know, plate appearances in total. Um, I think about Marwin Gonzalez came into camp a little bit late last year. I think he had somewhere in the mid-20s of plate appearances. Obviously, that's not health-related, but just meant the time when he came into camp. I, you know, it depends on the guy. I, I, I think... You need to assess each individual on his own. He's seeing a lot of pitching. That's the thing that people don't necessarily realize is they they look up the stat sheet and see the plate appearances in the game. But in the cages, high-speed velocity machines, tracking pitchers in bullpens, you're seeing a lot of pitches. And then now with the live BP yesterday and progressing to more on-field hitting, uh, he'll get more of those repetitions. So we try and replicate as much of game activity as we can behind the scenes if possible.
0: The million-dollar question regarding Byron Buxton. Once he's out there, how do you keep him there? And I talked to him yeah. a couple days ago, and he said, and, and I think he did this on his own, he said that he watched film of guys like Hunter, Griffey, and Kiermaier collide with a fence and said the one thing that Kiermaier does really well is launches himself off of two feet instead of going headlong off of one foot. But how much do you guys talk about this? Because this guy's talent level, and Rocco actually talked about this a couple days ago, It it's not these Mike Trout. But when Byron Buxton can play he 's a nightmare, and he brings a skill set that I think is very unbaseball like I think it 's more like um, like in football where a guy can play receiver yeah. or running running so how much do you guys talk about and how do you keep him on the field?
1: Yeah, I, I would say all those things I mean, at the front end of it. We did talk before uh, the the off season began about watching how other guys go, obviously has direct access and personal access to Tory Hunter you know in our organization sure. and talks to him about that. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer has some relationship with I'm sure he's asked him some questions along the way and I remember last year him having a conversation with Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, at one point about this. So I think that anytime a player goes through his career and deals with the adversity he's dealt with and, and from an injury standpoint, it's it you have to have you have to learn, you have to grow, you have to develop. He's in a much better headspace around understanding exactly what you just discussed. He's going to play the game at full tilt and that's what makes him the player you just described. I know. You know, that unique this is the character right on the field absolutely that just does something different than everybody else. We don't want to take that away from him. But at the same time we do recognize the best things we can do to prepare him to stay on the field more, that's gonna be important to us.
0: Do you ever talk to him about and this one's tough because it goes to the heart of what you just said. Do you ever talk to him about the fact that sometimes watching the baseball go off the wall for a double might not be the worst thing,
1: yeah, we talked actually specifically about that that there are moments you know he he 'll tell you when I see that little white pill go up in the air i 'm going to get it, and there are moments exactly that that um, you know the play he got hurt on last year in, in 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 Miami, that was one of those balls, probably a little bit out of reach. it ended up being out of reach He, he, he hit the wall you know it didn 't seem like much at the moment, and certainly he 's crashed the wall a lot harder than that, but those unique Um, entries into the wall with an arm extended or, or, or spread out a little bit do create a little bit more risk so we do talk about that. You know, there are moments where he's going to have to let a ball die. He's going to be frustrated with himself, I think, mm-hmm. when it when it hits the ground and it, he holds the guy to a single. You know, in front, with the ball in front of him. But that that that's part of it. And I think we want to uh, people use this uh, phrase from time to time. Sometimes you lose the battle to win the war. You know, and I think that's the kind yeah. of idea here. It's the quarterback
0: not sure. throwing the dumb pass.
1: Exactly. So I think that it's something that he is definitely attentive to. He's not going to shy away from questions on this topic, as you've said. He's talking he's good about on it. it. Yeah. So that's all we can do is to try and give him as many resources, ideas, plans as possible to prepare him for those moments.
0: Did you consider going and getting a veteran center fielder like a Pilar type of guy? uh, Because it does seem, if he gets hurt, Jake Cave's fine. Sure, Uh, Kepler's clearly better when he can play in right field. Did you consider trying to, to acquire a guy that, if Byron does get hurt, and we now have the background to know it happens, that could have stepped in more so on an everyday basis and left Max alone and right.
1: Yeah, I, I think we we talk always about potential fits. I, I feel really good about guys like Max jumping to center field or or Jake Cave playing some out there as well. I you know my view of this is we have other guys that can go play the outfield and we want to. Poten- continue to build depth. You always have to make difficult decisions. Quite frankly, there's a lot of guys out there that um, wouldn't necessarily sign with teams when they know they don't have a path to playing more regularly. So uh, That's part of the equation always for us. But I would say that our focus is making sure Byron's on the field and then letting Max and Eddie and Jake and all those others go out and play the corners. Uh, Marwin and you know, others who are going to take some at-bats out there for us. So I feel like we're, we're in a good spot. We have some guys that can go play center field. Obviously not to Byron's caliber. Nobody can. But I think that that's, that's going To be our focus,
0: Derek Falvey, the Kenta Maeda trade. Take take us through as much of that as you possibly can, because that was one convoluted deal that started (laughs) off with Gratterall being traded. What to the Dodgers transferred to Boston, and Boston then bailed out. What what was that experience like? And clearly, you you were trying very hard to get Kenta because you ultimately did from the Dodgers. Just take us through. The machination.
1: Sure. The complexity of it, actually, when you think about it at the end, for us, it wasn't overly complex. Uh, it was still the same kind of construct where we were getting Kenta Maeda, uh, no matter what the other constructs might have looked like during the course of it. It's, a, it's, it's un, uncomfortable and disappointing when uh, deals become public that might not actually be finished, right? And the reality is there is a process to these things, and there, is a, uh, there are some other details that sometimes need to be ironed out before you finish a, a deal. But I will tell you this, that our focus initially uh, was on finding a way to get Kenta. We felt mm-hmm. he really fit our team well. He fit well in the rotation. Uh, we think putting him in that role and, and letting him really do that on a more regular basis was going to even allow him to be a better pitcher than he's been, mm-hmm. which he's been a good one. Never easy to give up a young arm like Bruce Star Gratterall, but felt like for where our team is right now, our view of uh, him and Kenta going forward felt like we could use the, the fit and the rotation here in the short term. It's a lot of conversations, a lot of ones that you wouldn't necessarily want to uh, no. have or hear. Right. And you're dealing with a West Coast team, and uh, you know, at 3 o'clock in the morning there are some phone calls going back and forth. So as you asked earlier, they don't prep you for that in any type of baseball school. It's, it's a lot of long nights and a lot of conversations. It takes a lot of time.
0: How – how prematurely did that deal get out too in in retrospect now as far as if if you could have delayed it till the normal ideal time, and yeah that, that's going to be before it's officially announced and sent out via email, but how prematurely did that deal come to light, and how quickly did you shake your head and say this could be trouble
1: yeah i I think when it uh you certainly know some things are changing when you're talking with other clubs around what this could look like and because there were other people at, I assume at that point in other organizations told as to what the deal might look like then the potential for a leak you know increases yeah. and uh, ultimately that's I think sometimes what happens and when things get prematurely reported on it's probably you know if we could have had another 24 hours or so that would have helped on, on a lot of fronts but at the end of the day you know I stayed in contact really with Andrew Friedman which was the focus throughout all of this um, to make sure that we were connected uh, specifically on Kenta and what that deal could look like and and ultimately found a way to, to make it work.
0: And the fan base came back at you then and said how could you? Bruised our <laughs> gradles, one of the great prospects. What What's that tightrope and and personally I think prospects at times have to be dealt yep. but what's that tightrope of, of you know you got a faction of people that wouldn't trade a prospect then you got a faction that would trade them all so I'm not kidding I immediately heard Brewsdar, really? In fact, people were happy when the trade seemed to fall through because Bruzdar wouldn't be traded. What's that experience like of, I guess, weighing, trading a guy who now falls into a top-five prospect?
1: Yeah, I, here's what I've come to learn in this job is pleasing everybody is an impossible task. So I think you have to make difficult decisions when you're, when you're building a baseball roster. And you have to make decisions around near-term, short-term, versus long-term all the time. And uh, ultimately, there are teams that... Uh, in that deal, had to make different uh, other other teams involved in that deal made very clear decisions about short term, long term. So, in my mind, that that's that's my job is to try and do what I think is best for building this team to to win sustainably. And sometimes those are short term decisions. And in that particular case, clearly we were trading um, more control more years of value potentially in one player for one with shorter control mm-hmm. but we felt it impact we we wanted to impact this current club we feel the 2020 club and then really for 4 years of Kent's control really helps us in the rotation that was something we made the decision on that'll be judged somewhere down the line and we'll be judged fairly or unfairly on the outcomes of that but i i ca- you can't be afraid to make a deal if you think it's going to help the team and you think it's the best thing for your organization at that time
0: 6 months ago and, and I talked about this Quite a bit on the air and was critical of you guys when you didn't do more at the deadline last year when it came to starting pitching. Six months ago, I had some serious questions, not about this team being good, but about where you and Thad and the organization felt this team was at. And when you didn't get starting pitching, and then obviously, and God bless him, Dominic's a great guy and he's a nice pitcher, but had to start game two. Um, now I feel like you guys pivoted at some point in time and also. We're on the track of 2020 is a year not to just be good. It's nice if you can win the division. That's fantastic, and that's tough. But this is now a time that the window is open for a potential championship. When did you come to that conclusion and how strongly with the veteran presence, especially that you now have on this roster, do you feel this team is prepared to make that type of run? Well,
1: I, I think when I, I I think back, maybe even go b- before last uh, last year's trade deadline, I go back to the, when I got here at the end of 2016 and talking about what I thought about this club. We felt we had a good young core, some good players that, if it all came together, the group that was going going to grow. The Jose Barrios, the Byron Buxtons, Miguel Sano's, Jorge Polanco's, Max Kepler's. Well, I had a vision to see that group come together in a really positive manner, and uh, we we felt it. It did. It took steps in 2017. We we achieved that wild card game, but we weren't quite where we needed to be. We knew that at that time. Into 18, made some decisions to continue to invest to try and make sure that we saw this team as something that was uh, moving in the right direction. At that deadline, had to make some difficult calls to try and restock for something in the future. But then went into that off season acquiring guys like Nelson Cruz acquiring the Jake O'Drizzy's you know a year prior that we felt would help us in this window of time mm-hmm. so we never ran away from seeing this group grow together, had to make difficult decisions at different times. Uh, even going back to the last trade deadline, when I think about it, you know, the markets at deadlines are interesting because sometimes players that you think are available really aren't available. And and you get down a path and you make some decisions or you talk to different GMs about about players and you realize, yeah, they're probably not on the block and right. they're not moving. Right. So those are difficult calls to always make. But we knew going into this offseason, we didn't shy away from it. Our our goal was to add impact mm-hmm. this offseason and we felt we really did. Not just in Josh Donaldson, which is is a a meaningful move for for this organization, this franchise, um, not just financially, but with the talent he brings to the club, but even with Rich Hill and Tyler Clippard and Sergio Romo and Jake Odorizzi coming back and Pineda, these guys who have had experience in big games. We knew this team could be competitive, and coming off a 101-win season that we were proud of, um, we don't get any extra credit for those wins, so now we've got to go build it again and go out and compete every day to get right back there.
0: So with the additions of guys like Kenta and Josh and rich hill and clippard um how much of that was based on what you saw in the division series where it did look like some elements of the team were probably overwhelmed a bit last year and how how much also was you being emboldened by the fact that the nelson cruz and gonzalez additions in particular just worked out so well and now you sort of solidified those two or those three guys with with a group where you if you do get to October again, you're not going to look around the team and say, "You know, I wonder about the experience." Mm-hmm. You guys probably have as much playoff experience as most teams, if not more.
1: Yeah, I think I, I really do think there are waves of uh, of talent you have on a club that allow you to be competitive when you get there. You have a group of players who've been there before, who have some experience, uh, who are ready to contribute that. That kind of intangible element to to a club that will help uh, help you get ready. Now, I, looking back on last year, I, I don't think any I don't think we walked into any series being scared or anything like that. I think we had a lot of good guys in that club, and we got beat, right? And at the end of the day, you have to accept that, and you have to then move forward. And how do you get better going into the following year? Our view of that was let's add some more of that experience. Let's add some guys who are not just experienced but talented, the Josh's and Rich Hills and others that have done this and won in the biggest stages. Mm -hmm. We need those guys as a part of our group. We also need that next tier of players, the younger players, to step up and learn from those guys because they're going to be the next standard bearers around competing and playing meaningful games and getting deeper into October. That's our goal. At the end of the day, we have to get there. And that none of that's guaranteed, but we want to put the best possible team in place to help us get there and to hopefully to help us win when, when we do.
0: On a notepad somewhere in your office, either here or back home, is there a margin that has written down potential starting pitching help in July, if necessary? And, and the second part of that question is, because it's my theory, I think that you guys are probably waiting to see Barrios, because I think Barrios still has a step to sure. take. I don't know he's going to take it. How much could starting pitching or, or one more really top-line starting pitcher be the key acquisition that could put this team over the top in July?
1: Well, it's hard to say right now. You, know, you just don't know exactly what your needs are today you know, for July. I, I'm not sure I've ever been in a season where I could say on what you think about you know, it, March, whatever. You think about it, for sure. I that, think
0: about it, so you've got to think about
1: well, it. Well, right, and so one way we thought about it this offseason is you know, that one of the top ten pitchers in the game over the last four to five seasons, when healthy, uh, has been is in our clubhouse right now. He's he's not the uh, he's not going to pitch at the beginning of the season. But it's in Rich Hill when he's pitched. When he's been on the mound, he's been one of the better pitchers in the game. That's somewhat like a trade deadline acquisition in our minds right now. With his return coming sometime in June, we hope, as you said, I believe what you believe, which is Jose Barrios has continued growth and development in front, in front of him. I think Jake Odorizzi has been a very solid major league starter for the last couple of years. I think Kenta, who's pitched in World Series yeah. games and done really well. To take those steps forward no one was pitching better at the time of his suspension on our team than Michael Pineda last year and hopefully we get a, a version of him that looks like that to me it's build the internal group make sure you have the best resources around the guys who are on your team right now and then adapt based on what you learn come June July and hopefully into the deadline
0: is, is Kenta gonna start throughout the course of the season and potentially you know the playoffs because that was the one thing I know the Dodgers kept pumping him to the bullpen when they got to the playoffs which they basically do on a yearly basis um do you foresee him definitely slotting into that third role and staying there throughout the course of the season
1: I we we view him as a starter and what I would say to that is we did a, a great deal of homework on him prior to uh to acquiring him about that role and that shifting to the bullpen as you mentioned the Dodgers have been one of the best teams in baseball over the last decade really I mean they've they've been to the playoffs what is it 8 years in a row now they've won uh, at least 90 games the last 4 years I think they're only one of two teams that have done that, they did in the Cleveland Indians. So, you know, our view, of the Dodgers, they were they were deep. They were very good. Uh, Kenta moved into that role the more we learned because he had the ability to. Because there aren't not every starting pitcher can go to the bullpen after having started for a while. Sure, go throw two innings, have a day down, come back and throw another two innings. Kenta could do that. He's such a good athlete. He rebounds so well. So the reason, as we learned more, the reason they did that was because. They were going to have some meaningful 6th, 7th, 8th innings of those games. Who was the best pitcher they could deploy multiple times in a series during that time? It was Kenta Maeda. Now, we view him as a starter on our team. With our personnel, we feel he can be that guy. And I think there's another gear in him as well in that role full-time.
0: So no at first base, any trepidation or concern starting... The season with, with him at a position, which I think the public says it's first base. It's easy; everyone sure. can play. You could play first base. I could play yep. first base. That's not true. Not true. Uh, how's the transition going? And is there? It seems to me like it's probably going to be a work in progress. But that being said, a, a win in on March 27th is important too.
1: No doubt. So I would say that Miguel is somebody who uh, I know. When guys move positions, you usually talk about moving from infield to outfield, and what that might look like, or catcher to a first base, or something like that the benefit here that we start from is he, it's infield to infield right so fielding ground balls and that aspect of the game he's got some exposure and experience with he's also played some first base over the, over his time here not as much certainly as third base but he's got some exposure there the goal is, and I think Justin Morneau said this really well, he can be as good as he wants to be over time, mm-hmm. which is you can learn the position. You can, you can learn footwork. You can grow and develop. And the moment that really stood out for me, we were down in the Dominican the other day. We were playing a game, and there was a ground ball to first base with a runner on first. It was a slow chopper. And Miguel fielded it calmly, turned, started the double play, got back to first base, and the runner beat the throw just by a half step. But the point, of the, and So we didn't get the double play. But what really stood out to me was how calm he approached that play. It was efficient. It was urgent. He didn't try and panic and rush to try and get the double play as quickly as possible. It wasn't the kind of ball we were going to get a double play on. Right. And I think that's where you see maturity at the position. Understanding when you're going to have to go quickly, when you're going to have to just take it out where you can get it. We're seeing signs of that already. It's going to be a work in progress, but I think Justin Morneau said it best. He's going to continue to work at it. He'll get better. This guy's a really good athlete, and I think it's just going to take some time. But so far, so good.
0: How much has he grown up in the last year?
1: It's a, you know quite a bit over the last few. I mean, since I've since I've come here, every player grows and develops at a at different rate. Certainly, even whether it's physically or on the, or their, their talent on the field, but also from a maturity standpoint. And I think. Miguel saw over the last few seasons the importance of preparation and routine and all the things that happen off the field that allow you to prepare to be a good player at the Major League level. Mm-hmm. Uh, he learned that from Nelson Cruz. He learned that from Marwin Gonzalez. He learned that from guys that have come through this clubhouse. Uh, but he also learned it from Joe Maurer and Brian Dozier and other guys as well. He was just a younger player at that time, and maybe he didn't absorb as much of it in those moments. That's okay. Some of that's just part of development. Our job has been to focus on supporting him and, and then holding him accountable to those plans. He's done a tremendous job over the last two years.
0: A couple right? last things. Do you sense that the the angst about the Astros situation internally in baseball is passing? The the fans are still going to be upset, uh, and they probably should be. Do you sense the internal angst that we certainly heard a lot of in the first couple weeks of spring training is passing?
1: Well, I think we're playing games now, and I think we're focused on the game on the field. There was a period of time where a lot of that conversation, I believe, was happening because there wasn't any baseball game (laughs) to focus on. Um, At the same time... We don't take it any less seriously than, than, we, than we did when it first came out. I think we're all looking to move on, you know, and looking to move and play the game the right way. I think at this stage there's been a lot of talk about it. Now it's go about, do your, do your job the way you're supposed to do it. We're always going to do it in my in my estimation, and, and, and what we can control are the Twins. We don't control the 29 other clubs. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to go battle on the field. We're going to win some. We're going to lose some. We're always going to do it within the confines of the rules. And I hope our I hope Twins fans can, can be really proud of that.
0: Are the replay room is going to be altered or shut down. Did- Do we know yet about what Manfred's going to do regarding that since that was obviously a big part of the problem?
1: Yeah, I would say that based on what I've gathered, uh, there is no specific regulation that's been handed out yet to clubs. I would be surprised if there weren't changes based on what I've learned. Uh, And my expectation here is prior to the beginning of the regular season, there will likely be some uh, more stringent guidelines rolled out to every club in a way that um, that we can prepare for.
0: Last thing, uh, new baseball rules, including the fact that if a pitcher comes in the game, he's got to face three batters. What do you like? What concerns you, and how, how well do you think the new rules are going to go?
1: What I like about it, I, I think, is that uh, I always am intrigued by new strategy. I always am intrigued by yeah. what's the best way to deploy a new strategy. So maybe that's just the uh, baseball nut in me that, that likes that. Uh, and so we'll see. You know, from a, from our, our bullpen, I believe will be set up in a way. We have a lot of guys. We don't have your traditional left-handed specialist. That's just not the way we're structured. No, Tony fossas Right, right. We don't have those guys right now. So uh, certainly have in the past, but uh, not something we currently have. So. I view that as a, a, a potential advantage for us, that we have guys that can get both left and right handers out. Uh, on the flip side, to, ask your, to answer your question about concerns, I am generally somewhat concerned about how this will play out for a guy that comes in uh, and is maybe has been used two of the last three days, and, and you're a little concerned about how you use him that day. Historically, maybe to pull back the curtain for fans behind, most days a reliever would come in. Say he pitched three out of the last four, and Rocco's talking to him before the game, and he says, Hey Skip, I can give you I can give you one out. You know, I can give you a batter if you need it late sure. in the game. So you know, that guy's a little beat up. He he might need a day. It's it's time for him to take a a day so he doesn't throw 90 games that season, you know, something like that. It's going to be harder to do that now because you're going to even with two outs and bringing that guy in you're hoping he gets that first out, but if he does it, he's got two he's more. He's going to get the to first, face.
0: or he's going to get a guy on and grab his arm and scream in pain, and you're going to have to <laughs> IL him for ten days. Gosh, I hope
1: something. not. That would be my concern for sure. But hopefully, that we'll <laughs> figure it out as we go, and 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 certainly our, our group's going to be attentive to great
0: that. great stuff. Th- thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Derek Falvey, Twins President of Baseball Operations.